Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, and we are glad that you've decided to join us today as we are in the second uh, episode of our new series that we have titled One Faith, One Body. That's based on the book of Ephesians. And leading our discussion for these next several weeks are going to be students from uh, Dr. Eddie Sanders preaching the New Testament class. And we've recorded those before the end of the semester and are sharing them with you uh, during this summertime and hope that you are blessed by uh, the words that you hear. Joining us today is uh, Abram Navarrete. Abrams, good to have you. Good to be here. Abrams, a junior majoring in interdisciplinary studies. He's also the president of DCC Student Government, and he recorded a podcast for us back in December as part of our Advent series. And today he's going to be sharing from Ephesians chapter 2. And helping facilitate today's discussion is the chair of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen. Dr. Halen, it's good to have you back. Good to be back. So we're going to turn it over to you, and we're going to continue. Caleb Garrett set up our discussion in our previous episode on really an overview of what we were going to be looking at in the book of Ephesians, and he uh, delved into uh, Ephesians chapter 1 in some detail, and so we're ready to move into chapter 2. All right. First, I want to tell our listeners that if you hear me refer to our, our our guest today, as Alex, that's because I had uh, mom and dad in class many years ago, and I, I make that mistake many times. So, so oh, if you hear awesome. Alex, I'm talking to Abram. Okay. <laughs> uh, chapter two, uh, Abram, is, is fascinating to me as we think about the theme of unity that we set up in, in the last episode, because most readers and most hearers of sermons and Bible studies, participants in Bible studies uh, across the years would readily associate uh, verses 11 through the end of the chapter, uh, verse 22-ish around there, uh, as talking about unity. After all, a lot of Bibles have like one in Christ as like a section header for those verses. But they tend to think about verses 1 through 10 at very individualistically, mm-hmm. that this is how I got saved. I got saved by grace through faith and not by my works, but they tend to not connect the two, that this story of how we came to be in Christ, how we came to be saved, flows into Paul's discussion of our unity in Christ. And so I'm excited that we're going to be taking apart uh, chapter 2 and, and along the way maybe help, help us to think a bit about how we can see these two halves of the chapter actually fitting together in this theme of unity, uh, one body uh, uh, with, with Christ. So starting off in verse 1 here, we're, we're kind of introduced to the main concept of the entire passage. And that is basically that, you know, without God, since, you know, only the Jewish people were God's chosen people throughout the Old Testament, that you're kind of, in a sense, doomed so that, you know, everyone else was going through this separation from God and they needed reconciliation. And... Really, Paul's saying that Jesus here is what, you know, kind of flips that around, that Jesus' grace, God's grace, 
comes in, God's mercy comes in and is able to reconcile whatever, you know, separation, doom that, you know, non-Jewish people were feeling at the time. Yeah, it is fascinating that he has, you were dead, verse 1, in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but then in verse 3, he slides right back into we, among whom we all once lived. Uh, So he classifies his Jewish readers, Jewish believing readers, alongside the Gentile believers who are his readers, alongside them as being in cahoots with the sons of disobedience. And so... So there's that you, which becomes the us. And so it's, it's slight, and you kind of wonder a little bit if, if that's Paul going, yeah, that's what we were. You know, he's just mm-hmm. extemporaneously writing about that. It's a good observation. What else you got? So at the end of verse 5 here, that's, that's really the first time that you see that by grace you have been saved. And, you know, growing up in the church, one of my – one thing that I know has been, you know, tossed around a lot in the church and that my, even my dad would say and that, you know, I really grew up hearing is that grace is a God's unmerited favor, you know, that nothing you can do can, like, earn that, can deserve that. And that's something I know that you touched on with at the end of the previous episode. And so really seeing how that ties in and continues here, that idea is actually expanded upon in this, uh, in this opening to chapter 2. This grace is uh, something that is capable of, you know, breaking any barrier that is set out that's, you know, earthly. Yeah, again, that's us. Uh, By grace you have been saved and raised us up, and he seated us, all of us, so that in the coming ages he might show show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. And then at the end of verse 8, you know, this is the gift of God. It's nothing that we have done. That we have done. And uh, to, to me, this is where he's plotting as he's replanting his rhetoric. He's planning on moving into that second half. Uh, of the of the chapter where he makes explicit the thing he's going after, which is this unity of Jews and Gentiles. What 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 are some of your reflections on on that section, Abram? So I know we had talked a lot about you know the Jewish people being God's chosen people throughout the New Testament, and that in a sense had ended up creating some sort of division between the Jewish peoples and anyone else that they came in contact with. And so there's this really deep-seated sense of separation that you get, you know, before Jesus came and before Jesus, you know, ends up reconciling everyone. And so I think what's important here is to really get a good grasp of exactly how big that separation was you know i know even today we deal with racial tensions and different things different things that can divide us but if god's grace if jesus coming down and dying on the cross is capable of you know getting rid of a barrier this big 
in the text, then, you know, shouldn't it be capable of getting rid of any barrier that we come across? Yeah, uh, beginning of verse 14, after, after he's talked about to his Gentile readers, you know, you were strangers, you were without hope, you were without God, but now, but now things have changed through Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of, of Christ. And then this line that I think is one of the most beautiful lines that Paul ever wrote in anything. Verse 14a, for he himself is our peace. He is our peace. He's the one who reconciled us. I think some of the tension that you, you, you refer to, alluded to, that's quite evident in our world happens despite good intentions of people. There are a lot of people who want to do peace. There are a lot of people who want to do peace who can't understand why other people that want to do peace don't see eye to eye with them because we all just want to do peace. And I think one of the issues that this text highlights is that we can't do peace humans can't do peace because we're dead in trespasses and sin we're in the image of God and therefore we can do something that looks like peace because we have a, a spark of God in us but we need Jesus and unity comes through common experiences and common heritages and that's what Paul was talking about. We have a common heritage that we were all created by God. We all sinned against God. We all need a Redeemer, and Jesus was that Redeemer. And now we have a common experience. We were all saved by grace through faith. And only with that can we have peace. What other observations do you have, Abram? So... We, we talked about this idea of, you know, reconciliation a lot. And really, it's evident throughout the passage, you know, not only in the first half, but tying into this second half, I'm talking about verse 14 and beyond, you know, throughout the end of the chapter. Um, in verse 18, Paul says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This also hits on those themes of, reconciliation of barriers being broken of you know coming back together really it, it hits that on the head because if you know not only the Jewish people but any other people that they may have problems issues with both have access to this same Holy Spirit to the same God then who are any of them to you know think that they're better that could even apply to you know now I mean we Again, going back to that, we're a divided people, and that's, you know, due to the world not following God, not following Jesus, but this is capable of... You yeah, know. I think one of, the, one of the most interesting things, and, and part of this, Dr. Halen, was when I was doing my research on uh, the multicultural, multi-ethnic worship. Um, we live in a culture now where everybody wants to keep their their culture sacred you know my my heritage and all of that but it's interesting that uh in verse 15 his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity 
out of the two, thus making peace. So really, it's that idea of dying to self, dying to one's own purposes, goals, and dreams, and uniting those with Christ, and then out of what, Abram, you were just talking about, that unity in the Spirit, then all of a sudden, I am now reconciled with my brother, regardless of what color they are, regardless of what ethnicity they are, regardless of their background, because I am a new creature because of what Jesus has done for me. That's a really beautiful picture. In in, uh, some of our previous dialoguing via email, uh, you made a very interesting observation about the metaphor that's used at the end at the very end of the chapter uh with uh being being built into this this uh temple like structure uh what tell us about that observation so there at the very end of the chapter uh paul talks about how they are being built he he didn't say that it's a you know it's a done deal or anything him saying that they are being built in kind of brings up this idea of like a process that it's not you know something that is just going to be like snap done we're ready you know ready to go it's we talked about all these divisions all these years and centuries of you know back and forth and so knowing that they're able to work together because of this grace that they're able to work through these issues and you know continue this process is something that's very profound and powerful that you know obviously we know we're still dealing with these things today kind of like i mentioned previously and so knowing that you know these people had to go through the same process as well in the early days of the church is something that's a little bit of a, a comfort almost that you know if the early church is going through these issues it's not so much like different that we're also still you know going through this process of reconciliation yeah that's a great observation about 22 the present tense we're being built together uh and you see the same present tense in the previous verse uh the whole structure being joined together grows present tense is growing into a holy temple uh and and it is fascinating, verse 22 ends, that we're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so one of the commonalities in the union of the church, our one faith, one body, is this common possession of the Spirit through whom Christ enables peace fellowship excellent any closing thoughts and conclusion to your analysis of chapter two i think in terms of you know the overarching message of chapter two it's important to realize that at the end of the day despite whatever earthly physical barriers we face that you know believers are together through grace through the spirit and that we're able to work through whatever those issues are because of God's grace, because of what Jesus did. Moving into, you know, next week's episode, uh, we're going to touch on spiritual strength in the church. And so it's really interesting to see how each chapter seemingly builds this one theme. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what we have next week in store as well. Excellent. Dr. Halen, any closing thoughts? 
Oh, they got, that's got that's, it. That's good. Good summary. Thank you, Abram. Uh, I'm going to do ask you to do what we did to close out this uh, first episode as well. Would you pray for our listeners and uh, just a prayer based on what you've gleaned from Chapter 2 and, and use that to close out this, this episode? Of course. Thank you, God, for all that you do, for the sacrifice that you made, and most importantly for your grace, grace that's able to unify us, to, to push us forward. I ask that you, you help us to live in this grace uh, in whatever ways you see fit. And again, thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast as you're celebrating the season of Pentecost. Uh, this is a good reminder of the unity that, that takes place among all believers because of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to go back and, and look at Acts chapter 2 and, and see what was exactly happening on that first Christian day of Pentecost after Christ's resurrection and ascension. It may give you a, a little more insight into what we've just been reading in Ephesians chapter 2. If you'd like to learn more about Dallas Christian College, we encourage you to go to our website, www.dallas.edu. But in the meantime, take care, stay safe, pray that you have a great week, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast.